people say stuff just to get clicks and viral and all that bullshit. So Rasheed Wallace, shut up. Like, I love you, dude, but shut up. But like, LeBron will never do that against my guys. Uh, he kind of did. He did. I watched it and it actually was heart wrenching. And you guys who wouldn't even fucking double team him. Like what? Like watching that was like literally watching your yeah, parents die. It's like, what the fuck? Can you please just get the ball in his hands? Like, it's not that hard. Make, make big Z beat you. Anybody else? Like literally anybody. Welcome to episode 26 of the David Binkowski podcast. Joining me today from Sports Grid, the CTO is Arturo Gaetti. Arturo, welcome into the podcast. Um, nice to meet you, David. Thanks again for coming on. We have some NBA stuff to talk about today. Um, and before we get to that, um, somebody who I have been a fan of since I've, it feels like 30 years, um, and, and you expressed that you're also a fan past this last week. And we'd be remiss if we didn't really spend a little bit of this podcast talking about uh, comedian Norm MacDonald. Um, he was somebody that started his career in, through Canada and ended up coming to the U.S. And, and, and getting on SNL, which is no small feat. And that's where he was exposed to a lot of people uh, up, you know, around the world, but mostly in the U.S. And he was the Weekend Update anchor. Uh, but also just a brilliant and fabulous uh, comedian. Uh, just I when it was very, uh, for me personally, it was fairly hard hitting that a comedian died. Um, you know, the, 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 the idols and people you looked up to and that you grew up with, whether it's George Carlin, Rodney Dangerfield, and now Norm, uh, all seem to be passing, which is sad, but, um, you know, I don't know, aren't sure what your experience was with Norm or if you were a huge fan or just a fan or what have you, but, um, what, you know, how, how did, how did you hear about it? And how did you take it this week? No, I mean, I was totally honest. I mean, I follow him on Twitter. I was on, and there's a bunch of people who follow him. He, he, and later on in his career, he did a lot of like things. He would like, uh, he would live tweet out, uh, sporting events or, yeah. uh, so he bet the line on something or he like, he'd live tweet about the bets he made. He'd make a comment, uh, or like, I mean, he, he was always one of these guys. Well, the thing about him was that he kind of understood that the job of the comedian is never to punch down, but to punch up. Right. So, and that's really kind of, and he, the way he told, like the way he did comedy wasn't necessarily like the way he did jokes. It was about kind of, uh, the delivery and kind of the, um, the way that you tell a story. Right. And, and so there's a lot of little, there's a lot of great fits uh, that he did. But also, I mean, like the things that got him in trouble was like, because, you know, he's meant to kind of challenge, you know, authorities. And when somebody was told not to do something, then there's a famous story of how he got fired from uh, SNL. He didn't, I mean, he, he got fired and stuff. So the way he lost his uh, weekend update gig was because he wouldn't let us stop making jokes about OJ, right? So OJ yeah. was really good friend to the president of NBC, uh, Oldmeyer, and he would not like he would just, you know, keep hammering the nail and hammering the nail and then like, you know, killed his wife and whatnot. Well, why Tom stop? And he just literally just would keep going, keep going. And though, you know, he lost that gig. And I mean, he was a guy who was very, very, very funny, but he was also very, um, very much a comedian's comedian in that he, he, he didn't know he, he didn't, uh, there's a saying fact, he didn't have pedals on the which means he didn't have like any hair on his thumb, which means he, he just wouldn't, you know, 
he wouldn't not say something, right? So uh, I think I shared this bit. There's a great bit. You can look it up. It's him um, talking to, oh, God, I remember the, what's his name, Bill? Uh, Comedy Central guy. Um, uh, 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 no, uh, John Stewart. John Stewart. Yeah, John Stewart. Yeah, so he started John Stewart. This is just after the crocodile hunter died. And it's this great bit about crocodiles talking about the crocodile hunter. And they're all mad because, like, they're, they're going to, like, you know, it was a manta ray that killed him, not them. And they're like, oh, God, I could have killed him. And, like, you can tell, like, John Stewart's trying not, desperately trying not to laugh, right? Because, yep. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's a, you can argue it's a food for Dave, but really it's a kind of, it's a kind of, I mean, it's funny because, you know, you're saying, look, you, you know, it's a crocodile hunter. Um, yep. He lived very long for a crocodile hunter. I mean, like, you know, you know, do, do it, it's like doing it in your job. You, you, you can expect some consequences. And I mean, there's another great skit where he's in a car with uh, a comedian car, the Seinfeld uh, show, where like he just talks to comedians. We're talking about about uh, Bill Cosby, and I mean, somebody, I think uh, Seinfeld asked him, "You think he's a hypocrite?" He said, "Well, he's rapists, right? I think rapists aren't hypocrites, right?" And like Seinfeld's just cracking up because it's not language that anybody kind of uses the way kind of interpreted. But he's, you know, he's very specific and very direct in what he says, and that has like that is. That has real value. It's like it's like it's it's a, it's a comedian show. It speaks truth to power, and he was a guy who always spoke truth to power, right? Yep. He, yep. He, he, whether it, and sometimes I got in trouble because he's the kind of guy that like he would have an opinion whether or not it was popular, right? And I think sometimes in this world that we live in, um, you know, we we're scared to like. There's this like idea that there's monoculture. And, you have to like be a like think a certain way, and if you have like a deferring a deferring opinion, and I don't mean like you know like thinking that like you should you know like white supremacy or anything. I look something like just you know if he had a you know if he was going to mock you regardless of where you were, right? Right. Or what yep. side you're on, and I think it's actually like really important because sometimes you lose sight of that, right? And that's that's the job of a comedian is to show is to right. literally make light of or shine a light on or poke fun at the things that are going on. And I think he shares he shares a similar trait to another comic that I like, uh, in Anthony Jeselnik. Uh, I don't know if Jeselnik is on that level, but it's it's taking the other perspective or taking a different perspective and looking at a situation that truly is terrible, like Steve Irwin's death. And saying, well, what, do they, what, do you, what do you think the crocodiles felt about that? Like, how do you think they felt, right? Like, that, that to me is the genius of it. It's not taking, well, no, I think, yeah, yeah, the easy road. But like, I mean, I used to watch Crocodile Hunter and see the interviews, and I'm pretty sure that the, like, uh, Fever World's first one would have freaking loved that, that routine, right? Because you, you understand who you are. And like, you know, it's, it's a joke about like wrestlers and like, you know, the, the, what Erwin was, was was carny stuff, right? So he's a bit of a carny, and he understands, like, like you know, when you're carny and you're doing this stuff, you understand that there's a level of risk that you take, right? So you, yep. you're 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 perfectly happy with it, and I think that's that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um. It didn't like the other. Yeah, I thought the other it, thing, the other part of the, well, there's another thing that he had talked about. You mentioned the comedian cars copy. He talked about television, and and the fact that when you're on TV, you can't bomb. Like, it's almost impossible. You can't bomb, especially on a sitcom. And so to him, that wasn't actually comedy. And so that's why he liked going to your point about he'll plow through a joke. Even if it's bombing on SNL, he would still plow through it as if, like, he didn't care. This is a good joke. I'm going to tell it no matter what. And that was probably the closest to being in a club 
as as you can get, as opposed to he was talking about when he had his own shows, whether it was on ABC or Comedy Central or what have you with his sitcoms. And he hated it because it was like everything's funny all the time. And that's just not how it goes. That's not how comedy works. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I would say the first thing he was on, uh, his first big break was the writer on Ro- Roseanne. Yep. And I think some of that, like that show, regardless of like, I mean, Roseanne kind of went off the deep end when she got older. But that show was a really kind of there. There's something that's actually been lost, uh, where like these shows now don't act like TV shows don't reflect reality, right? So there's a joke about like Simpsons. Simpsons has been on enough on TV and uh, long enough that like like the kind of life that Homer Simpson is living now on TV is impossible with the kind of job that he has, and the kind of job that he has is it's not a job that you can actually get, right? So it's not a reflective reality. And I think Roseanne was a show that like was very reflective of of realities like the people on that show struggled right it wasn't it wasn't clean it wasn't nice you know they weren't rich they didn't they i mean they lived in a fairly decent house but they were always struggling to make ends meet and things happen and that's something that's kind of been lost uh in terms of like when we look at like you know tv and culture right that's not something that you see it wasn't it wasn't sanitized. It wasn't uh, clean. And I think that's kind of, you know, the same thing. Like, what I respected about him is, 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 is the way he told the story, right? Yep. And, like, you, you know you were getting, like, when he was talking, you know you were getting him. He was talking, he was doing that, and that's, he was, he was, he, he was an artist about, you believe, you, he had that plausible deniability. Same thing, they call it wrestling kayfabe, right? You believe this man. When he talked to you, you believe him, right? Whether or not it was true or not, you believe him. Yeah, I mean, it was really surprising because, like, he he didn't tell anybody. He didn't sell that he had cancer, right? He just had it. Uh, he he, you know, he took care of it privately, and you know, people, you know, and it's funny because I was reading about. I was looking at his, his feed, and he hadn't like tweeted out like since July, right? And he would have, like, in a normal situation, he would have talked about uh, about the U.S. Open, right? Because it's just the kind of thing that he would talk. Because he he probably would have had money on somebody, he would talk about it. He would have talked about golf. So I mean, he's a voice, and he, he was a, he was an important voice, I think. And he's a guy who's going to be missed because he, you know, it's like I, you know, reminds me a little bit of uh, Hunter Thompson's like that too, uh, where like you know he speak to power. And there's this somebody who's sharing this humble anniversary of nine eleven. There's this great column that Hunter Thompson wrote on uh, September twelfth, two thousand one, uh, on the old page two blog on ESPN where he literally just describes it's in his columns as like we're at war now and we're going to be at war for the rest of our lives right and he kind of said this is how you know it's describing how the world's going to be and how things are and it's kind of sad it's it's because it's it's prescient right so he's saying what's going to happen and it's a voice that's just not going to be there and it's a voice that its absence is going to be deeply felt because you know it's not we don't have people like that in the uh that are just going to go out here and like you know be upfront and i mean we have guys who will come out and say whatever they think but a lot of them are dick holes right so yeah he wasn't that right uh and i respect and that's going to be missed and he, you know nice guy you like them you track with them there's a great tweet he did uh or neil um uh Neil deGrasse Tyson says that basically the universe is not compassionate and doesn't care about your feelings. And his response was like, well, but we're a subset of the universe and we do, right? So 
So there's compassion and uh, humility and sympathy in the individuals, and we're part of the universe, right? So it's a really kind of, he, he's a very thoughtful man too, which yep. uh, I much appreciate. Yep, I agree. I agree. If, if, if you've not read his book, uh, he, he did a book a few years ago. It's really funny. It's the, worth the memoir. I think the one. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's worth, it's worth the rate. But yeah, again, rest in peace, Norm MacDonald. Uh, you'll be missed. So, awkward transition into the NBA. They released the all the uh, odds makers you, have released. You want to talk about the whole thing first? Uh, yeah, we can do that too. Uh, so, there's, there, was a, there was a long running go that uh, we should like in, in the advanced stats circles. We said that like, Basketball doesn't have a Hall of Fame because if basketball had a Hall of Fame, Ben Wallace would be in the Hall of Fame. So until there's until he's in the Hall of Fame, there is no basketball Hall of Fame. So now we actually have the basketball fame because Ben Wallace is finally elected to the Hall of Fame. Uh, it was actually a very interesting class, actually. But like, yeah, we long overdue that uh, Ben Wallace got in. Uh, I thought he was a headline for me. Although, I mean, like, he probably wasn't the headline for a lot of people. I mean, uh, the class was uh, Bosch, Kukok, Pierce, uh, Wallace, Chris Weber, John the Griffith, and Lauren Jackson, right? So we had two WNBA players. And, uh, I mean, some, some big names, right? Like, uh, yep. and some big underrated. I mean, so I think some overrated and some underrated. I, I think Kukok, Kukok is a guy who I think is probably overrated. I don't necessarily have him in the hole. But I do think a lot of these international guys are getting in because of the fact that they were kind of pioneers uh, in the Well, I think Kuko, just because, I mean, he won up on that Bulls team, but, like, he was kind of, it's, you know, it's kind of like if we elected uh, Harrison Barnes to the Hall a little bit, right? So, <laughs> uh, Bosch definitely, I mean, Bosch definitely is a guy who deserve it. I mean, he's a guy who sacrificed and changed his game to make that heat team work. And his career was kind of cut short. Pearson, the guy, was very underrated uh, because he played in Boston, which really sounds weird, but really, if he played, like, if you switch him and Kobe, I think, like, so if Kobe goes to uh, Boston and, and Pierce goes to L.A., I think the results are very similar. And I think Pearson's, you know, Pearson's a statue outside of uh, Forum, right? So, yeah, the difference in the career. Uh, Weber is a really interesting, also another interesting guy because of the Fab Fives. And because he, like, um, you know why Chris Weber never made it to the end? Like, the, the reason why, like, there's, there's two reasons why uh, Chris Weber never made it to the NBA final, right? So it's uh, it's Donahue and the whole and the whole scandal thing and LeBron James going hog wild and putting up 48 in one game, right? That's in the Eastern Conference final. Yep. I believe it was, uh, was it, yep. uh, I, was it like 28 straight points, something like that? Like, oh, you, you were Pistons fan, so you would know about this. That was um, my distance. Yeah, it was 28 yeah. straight. It was. I, I, that that yep. game lived, and I, am, I, I was in Canada, that game lived on my DVR for like five years, right? That was yeah. just insane. Um, like, it's it's hard for people to explain, like, like the fact that, like, just LeBron James just got the ball, like, all through the fourth quarter and all through overtime. It's just LeBron James was just, he was just, he just got the ball and everybody right? And the other team knew he was coming, and there was, Absolutely, literally nothing you could do to stop him. There was like a period there. Uh, it happened to the Celtics there, but the Celtics actually got over him the next year. But like, he was just, you know, there was one game where he put up like yeah, 55 points and it took just like an insane effort just to kill him, right? To get him out of there. Because of that, I mean, eventually he figured out a little bit more. And again, there wasn't any, that, that team, that 2007 
team that like uh, LeBron beat was a really good Pistons team, but like that Cavs team was crap, bro. Just yep. peace. Well, that was really as, as a as a Pistons fan watching it. Well, first of all, you know, people say stuff just to get clicks and viral and all that bullshit. So Rasheed Wallace, shut up. Like I love you, dude, but shut up. But like LeBron would never do that against my guys. Uh, he kind of did. He did. I watched it, and it actually was heart wrenching. And you guys who wouldn't even fucking double team him, like what? Like watching that was like literally watching your That's parents it. die. It's like what the fuck? Could you pl- just get the ball in his hands? Like it's not that hard. Make make big Z beat you. Anybody else? Like literally anybody. I, I think the, 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 it's this is a misconception because the the way the rules work, um, it, they changed the zone rule in like. So John really starts, to, it was, I believe it's 2005, 2006, and it really kind of comes into vogue in that 2007, 2008 season. The Celtics and, uh, like, that Celtics team was kind of the first big sewn-up team. Um, and just devastating. Because the stuff Spurs were doing it too, but, like, I mean, that's, and I think then the uh, the mask did it with that championship team. But, like, if you take LeBron and you put him in a, if you put him in a game, where you can't sew up on it. So basically you have you have to cover one on one. And yeah, you have hand checks, but, but LeBron's like 280, right? LeBron's a freaking bull. Like, so if you put LeBron in a more physical situation, which he had earlier in the year, you'd get the same look kind of thing you got in that fifth series, where he's literally just like, okay, I'm just gonna go through you every single freaking time, right? So you make it clear out those cast kind of sometimes like you know, people talk about like, oh the game's like, you know, they like the old school game. Like, no, you didn't. Like Anybody who says they like the old school game, I invite you to find find any game from like the 2001, 2003, 2003 playoffs and go watch that shit on NBA Classic. It is just it, it's brutal, right? It's brutal because what they yeah. what they were doing at the time with the rules is like you could cover zones. So that what they would do is basically they would do these clearouts. So the guy would get the ball at the top of the key, and the other guys would basically go either go to the outside. They would literally walk to the outside of the court because you've got to cover people men up. Yep. Basically, if I, if I take three of my three of my offensive players and put them outside out of bounds or on the out of bounds line, the defenders have to go with them. So basically, you clear the court completely out at the one on one fucking game, right? And and then you got the hands. It, 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 no, 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 no. Like in fact, I'm I'm at the point where I'm actually like leaning more towards. I like the people game. Like the the Olympics was much nicer in terms of like physical play style. Uh, but there, I mean, they they don't have a, they don't have a three seconds penalty. So basically, you can you can play two centers because you can camp play, out. Yep. Well, no, not not even camp out. You can play the you can play full zone, play two centers, and then kind of move the ball around. And what ends up happening is then like it becomes a lot more about it. You have to be able to drive up, right? So it like that you have to drive up, you have to move around, and if you have a guy who can't play defense like the Lillard. You can't hide him, right? We can, right. can you until the USA figure, hey, you can't play the one eventually will die. Got to move on. Like, you can't play him with other guys that can't play defense. It's kind of interesting. But, like, to the point, it was a good class. I'm glad Ben Wallace got in. If you haven't seen Ben Wallace's speech, Ben Wallace's speech in the Hall of Fame is very good. Um, I'm happy for Chris Bosch, who didn't, you know, who had to retire early. And, you know, I, I feel for him. He's also a factor like so I respect that. And then, you know, just a lot of good guys got in. I, I, my complaint is Tony Krugoff. What's, you know, international player just fine. Like he's an early international player from the league, so I am not upset about that. It's it's I am context, yeah, it's the context, it makes sense. But yeah, just going straight off of like you, we lived through that that era. I mean, six man, awesome, but like, yeah, you also played with Jordan. So, but, I mean, but yeah, the six man award is like the most worst. It's basically like who scores the most punch uh, points coming off the bench. That's 
okay, that's it, it's a nice award, but it's not a it's not reflective. I, I mean, I think the, the important one is that Ben Wallace did. I mean, he was the key yep. to those Christmas teams. They made six six straight Eastern Conference Finals, and they they you know they made two finals. They won one title. Uh, it, it was a good team. He was a good player. He's the best of a player in the league. He should have been in the league. He should have been in the Hall of Fame, right? Can't have a Hall of Fame without the best defense player in the other the last decade. So kudos to him. Um, okay, let's talk about this. And not just because, not, and actually, I, I'll agree with you on, on Ben Wallace, obviously, uh, not just as a Pistons fan, as a basketball fan. He literally changed games. And that the fact that he could guard at, at six foot eight or whatever he was, guarding seven footers and going at guys. I mean, he was he was a presence, and like you said, he was the he was the anchor for that defense. So, you know, to say, well, I mean, with the success they had, I, find another team that has that success. All the Spurs are in, right? So they're keep like, you know, those era teams. There's a reason they were a dynasty is because they had a lot of good players, and uh, it was awesome to see the entire going to work crew showed up uh, as as all of the induction ceremony. So, yeah, absolutely kudos to all of them. C Webb, I, it was crazy because you know we're, he and I have the same age. I played against them uh, in a summer league and and uh, and what have you. So um, yeah, it's cool to see. It's cool to see the guys that you played against actually get in and do that stuff. But um, I mean, yeah, so my 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 biggest thing like it's that Sacramento Kings team that really should have made finals, right? Yep. Um, yep. I think I think the I think the Pistons team, you know, LeBron, it, it you know, as as we've learned throughout LeBron's career, like there are teams that just are not getting through LeBron, and that team wasn't getting through LeBron. No. Um, and they were the they were they were the first. Toronto can can kind of commiserate with you on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every Eastern Conference team that didn't make it during the last however many years can commiserate. Yeah, it's he just he's a force. Now he's in the West and he's old. Awesome. But uh, but yeah. So let's talk let's talk NBA. They, they put out the uh, they put out uh, every. Every year before the season starts, it's an opportunity for people to gamble. And you gamble on the total number of wins that each team in the NBA could have. And these are all done in, I believe, half numbers. So there's no push, right? Uh, um, yeah, typically what will happen is you'll have certain lines. What I've tried to do is get the, the best for the over and the best for the under. And as you said, typically, yeah, well, it'll be like, so for like example, Orlando right now. Orlando is uh, 21 and a half for the over and 23 and a half for the under. So you either bet over 21 and a half or under 23 and a half. Uh, and they won about, let's see, they won, I have this here. They won 20, 20 about the equivalent of 24 games less. Right. So basically, yep. you're betting that they're either significantly worse or about the same this year. This one. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you better there about like a win worse or a little, or like basically the same. So it's, what it's, it's kind of what, you, what your deal is for that. Yep. As an example, right? Um, and you can decide whether or not you like it, whether you like the other, whether you like the over, whether you want to play or not. And I think, I, I mean, we can talk through these, but I think we should just focus on the ones we like. Yep. And say, hey, we, we, do we like anything for Orlando? And I would say, uh, yeah, I like, there's one particular thing I like for Orlando. And it's not the over or the under. I like uh, Jalen Suggs for rookie of the year. That's a, and I know your Pistons fans, but like the the reason for this is that Jalen Suggs is probably in the best situation of any rookie to put up stats on a garbage team. And so he's he, there's no like if you love Orlando, there's like everybody on that team is hurt. Fultz is out. Uh, I think uh, what's the name of the other guy? The uh, 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 the one that had the, the one that's problematic. I forget his name. Uh, I like him, but he's problematic. You know what I mean? 
Yes, he was the one that decided not to st- uh, take a knee during Black Lives Matter. And, and then, like, blew out his knee. Yes. And the same, you know. Yes. Sometimes, sometimes God, sometimes, sometimes Isaac, God, Isaac, God, Jonathan, I, Jonathan, Jonathan, you think God didn't help? God, 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 God has a sense of why you, you like have a sense of drama sometimes. It's like, <laughs> yes, oh, you won't take a knee. Okay. Um, but basically, the point is that team is very shorthanded. Uh, yep. It's very unpredictable now because we don't think, I, you know, they teams aren't necessarily want to tank because there's no, the, the incentive is less to tank because they changed the rules on that a little bit. So I think, you know, they're, they're going to be trying to win games like ads. But the, I think the best bet for their subs because you're getting subs at seven and a half to one. That means you bet $100 that you win, you want $150. And he is in the best situation of, any rookie in terms of putting up stats. Other guys will talk about the rookies, of course, particularly the one on your team coming up next. Glenn, yep. he's the one who is in the best situation from like, you know, he, there's nothing else on that team, right? So they're going to be playing him 30, they're going to play him 35 minutes tonight. He's going to get as many touches as he wants. So, and he's pretty good too. I mean, he, he also is like a good dunker, so he's going to have some highlights. So yeah, I, I, I like so Seven and a half to one is a good price. My, my, only, of, good. my, my only concern with the, with the worst player on, or the best player on a worst team is exactly that. Like if there was another rookie that was playing on a team that was closer to contention, or I think the voters would give that person that player the nod, only because their team doesn't suck so bad. Like you said, I mean, if you look, you, just high, you should have more numbers. Yeah. Like that's how that works. But if you look at these guys, I mean, like a lot of these guys, like there isn't that guy. I know what you mean, right. but there isn't that. There isn't like. You, I mean, I'm not going to pick book night. There is one guy. We talk a lot of. There is one guy who we'll talk about, but he's a hundred. He's more like a hundred to what? Uh, right. But he has like I, I joked that he has the best jersey of. He's, he's going to have the best jersey of any NBA player. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it, right? So we're going to go on to the next team, and that is my Pistons. And they just held. By the way, they just held rookie, or uh, they just held open tryouts for their G League affiliate, the Motor City Crews. In which the uh, Pistons Twitter champion Nicholas Hankel speaking. Yeah, I saw Nick. I, I saw Nick. Yeah, Nick. Yes, yeah, he went. He went. Actually, went to the tryout, which is funny. And they showed a. They showed a, him shooting, making a three, wearing jersey number sixty nine. So I mean, like you know, the trifecta, right? So like all three things. Oh, and he also wore the left ear dangly earring, a la Jordan, which I thought was funny. But um, so the Pistons are are. They're in rebuild mode or restore mode, they so they call it, not rebuild in Detroit. It's a restore mode. And they got Kate, uh, Kate Cunningham and had a good rookie crap, uh, crop from last year coming back. You like them at, they're at well, how many? 25? Yeah, I believe they're, tw- I said, so they won the equivalent of 23 games last year. Yep. Uh, they're, uh, they're over is 23 and a half. They're under is 25 and a half. Uh, so good spread. And, uh, I mean, I, when I've done this, I went through it. I like their over on them. So I think they're going to win one for three and a half games. Uh, and I'm playing it. There's a couple of reasons for this. Uh, Casey's, Casey's the guy who, you know, this team's going to play hard. Uh, I mean, I, I have my issues with Casey. My issues with Casey are at the elite level. And this, with a team that's like this, a lot of rookies developing. Uh, and I, I think they're going to compete. I mean, there's, there's, there's enough. It's funny, it's a little, fairly low number. I think there's a good shot. Like the, the line we used to, that we use when I do it in a real jam, it's like, could you see this team winning five more games, right? Or five less games. Yep. And so right now they're over under seven, four, eight, and a half. The question is, can I see this team winning 29 games? And my answer is, yeah, sure. 
I mean, I could totally see him win 29 games in the, in the, in the East. Uh, I mean, I think one thing with Cade is that Cade was better than his surroundings in college. So a lot of the stuff that he did would be wasted effort because the team around him kind of sucked. And there's guys on this Christmas team that can actually score the ball. So I think that this is actually better set up for him. There's a chance that he's like really like there's a chance that he's the best player on the court for 50% of the time. If that's the case, then yeah, I mean, I think they, they can win 29 30 games fairly easily. As I said, I think Casey will get him there. There's, there's some interesting pieces there. I mean, this isn't a great team by Shakespeare, uh, but there's enough talent here that I would go in. And 20, I mean, I think 23 and a half is a number that they could definitely Yep. I don't know that the Cavs, Wizards, Right, I mean, kind of. Oh, yeah. by the way, uh, the Kate, just put to be Kate, bad. Kate's odds yeah. will be the year are two hundred and sixty uh, plus to sixty, uh, which is fine. I don't think it's great. Uh, I think even though I like Kate, Kate, I'd rather bet the over than bet him to rook for rookie year, <laughs> because I don't necessarily think that he's going to get the ball enough to win rookie of the year. Right, because there's a bunch of guys on this on the Swiss team that need to get fed. Right. You would agree with me. There's a bunch of guys who, like Jeremy Grant. There's a couple guys, you know, they're, they're going to want the ball. They're going to do things, right? So, yeah, I, I think Kate can be good. But I think from the point of view of getting to rookie of the year, eh, no, probably not. Well, he's also playing alongside Killian Hayes. And so how those two play together is going to matter. And how, who's, yeah. who's the primary ball handler and who's getting more minutes. And there's a lot that's there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of variables that are there that we don't know. So, yeah, it creates a lot of risk. Yeah. If, if you switched Cade and Suggs, I would definitely like love Cade on Orlando with rookie of the year, but not on like I think on the Pistons because the Pistons I think are going to be like I'm, I'm, I think the Pistons would like to get to the 10th seed. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, they do. I think they would. Yeah, there's only going to be playing. There's a there's a very good chance the Pistons are going to be playing. Like if they're like so if they're at like 23 and uh, 23 and 50. No, wait, uh, it would be yeah, yeah, 23 and 50. Right, if they're twenty three and fifty two, then you know they're going to be playing hard those last five six games of the season. They're like so, they're you know you. I would feel good holding an over ticket because I feel like they're going to be playing to try to get the seed, and they're going to play to try to get the over. So that's yep. what we like. Um, I think the Cavs are a bad team. Yeah, uh, and I'm not like I mean I I, I think the under, but the under for them is like twenty seven. That's like like it's twenty seven and a half across the board for over or under. Um, I don't see it. I don't see now, it. I'm I don't like, I'm Orlando like, enough. <laughs> I mean, I'll watch her when I'll watch, I'll watch Cleveland to see Mobley. I'm curious to see Mobley. I like Mobley college. I want to see how he develops, but other than that, I'm not really interested in the Cleveland Cavaliers. But like, we just, I we've, grown, we've grown past the need for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like, I just yeah. like, yeah, Laurie Markin in, and now they got I, Allen yeah, in a I, long deal, and then they bring in a seven footer, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing? You got undersized shooting guard. Like, I just they trade Larry. They trade Larry Deans. I like Larry Deans. Yeah. They traded him. It's like, right. It's yeah. I don't. I'm not. Yeah. Don't care for it. Don't care. Don't care for it. Now, um, now we're getting into interesting territory. Yeah, the Wiz, the Wiz. So they won about they won the equivalent of 39 games last year. Um, their over under is set 34 and a half. And I think uh, I think Vegas is basically treating that you know they lost West, so they got worse. I don't necessarily think they got worse. The models that, that I run doesn't they doesn't think they got worse. In fact, the, the the tricky bit with this team was like even though Westbrook got traded, but the pieces they got back are decent. They got uh, Case P, they got 
God, I forget his name. What's the uh, the other Laker guy they got? Uh, Kuzma. God, Kuzma. They got Kuzma too. And I mean, I like the like the other thing was like the, the Wizards had a lot of injuries last year, so they're yeah. you know I think you know Beal was there, but they're gonna get full year Beal. They're gonna get like uh uh uh. God, I'm blanking on the roster and like it's like uh, Roy Hachimura. Uh, oh, what No, uh, but Denny, Denny got hurt too. Yep. Denny's the other guy that got hurt. Um, and uh, wait, wait, wait. I know him. I know him. Like I just want to like say his name. It's um, not Denny, not Dinwiddie. Um, Bertans is the other guy who was hurt. Yep. Yep. Uh, and so like both of those guys. I mean, I like the rotation on this team. Um, the question on this, could I see them win? Could I see the Wizards winning 39 games again? The answer is yes. Yes, like we went for that next year. Because I like people, particularly like even if they make a trade, you know, they make a trade. I think that if they make a trade, they might, they might actually get better, right? So they, I mean, in a trade deal, I think they're going to get players that you can actually play, right? So it's, it's that organization likes to compete. Uh, they're another team that I think is going to be trying to get into the eight nine uh, conversation. Um, yep. So I, I like the over. I like 34 and a half is the number that I like the over. I feel comfortable on. Now, the division, uh, my model kind of like when I, I ran some Kelly odds on this, it said, oh, but, the, but like, I don't like the division odds for them right now are plus 16. So 16 to 1 is, is their odd division odds. And then, I, I mean, actually, you can get it to 33 to 1 if you go to the best. I would not necessarily want to buy that now. I want to march a little bit. I want to see that they have a new coach too, and I want to see if they play well under this new coach. Is really what I want to see, right? Uh, so if I if I if I see them and they're playing well, like five or six seasons with this new coach, I'd be interested possibly in doing the shots. Possibly it's a long shot. So Southeast, some fish fridge snap. I think and, uh, I think it's going to be tough with the Heat and the Hawks for them to jump them, but yeah. I, I mean, I think it's I, I think it's interesting. I don't have it written down as something I like. But I think that I mean I think again I think that they're I like I think I like their own I mean they're definitely like their own cat yeah because I again not they don't have Scotty Brooks anymore so I I, I like it I mean I think that's you know, <laughs> that's been, that's an interesting that. kind of I've been on the anti Scotty Brooks bandwagon since uh, yeah early on OKC just like you know then he, he, he some awesome dumb stuff it's just oh god what are you doing um, yep. Raptors yeah Raptors. They will, I, I'm not going to call them Toronto Raptors. I'm going to call them the Raptors. And there are reasons for that. Uh, I don't think they play 41 games at home. Um, and as I don't think they play 41 games at home because of COVID, I think at this point we have to assume that like your priors are that like the U.S. like people in the U.S. are stupid. Sorry, but like about COVID. So I don't think that the the Raptors are going to be able to cross the border to Canada for the 41 game season. So. That means they're not going to play the whole for half the season. So I think that they won the equivalent of 38, 31 games last year. Yep. Uh, their over-under is set at 37 and a half. So 36 and a half for over, 37 and a half for under. I love the under. Yeah. Because, again, I don't think they get 41 games to hold. So they're going to be playing on the road again. That's a huge disadvantage. They're playing in a murder division. Like, literally, that division they're playing in is the best division in basketball. Everything that division is great. And they're not going to get any, any real home games. So, right. I'm like, yeah, I think they're going to struggle. I think they, they're going to struggle. They might actually blow it up even more. They're kind of a little bit of a dark horse in the Ben Simmons stuff. Um, or like they're, they're dark horse trade partner for uh, 
for the Warriors. Like, so if, if Ben Simmons can't force a trade to the Warriors, then I think that there's a chance that the Warriors make a trade with the Raptors and kind of just like the Raptors really kind of blowing it up in that situation, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think play is the way. Lana, and I actually, also, I really didn't like what they did on the draft. I didn't like what they drafted either. So it's kind of like, yeah, the, the, there's there's a lot not to like. The, the, the draft to me, they drafted someone who's already in Pascal Siakam's spot. So yeah, that made, they drafted like they drafted like they were going to trade Pascal. Yeah, yes, right, yeah, exactly, exactly. So and they're they're not they're not going to get a like basically I think they're almost kind of treating this as a lost season because they understand that I can't play at all. I think right. That's ten years ago. That's rough. That's, yeah. that's rough. I mean, that's just that's brutal. The Charlotte Hornets, Charlotte Hornets, you don't like their, uh, you don't, um, you don't like what they do. I like what they're doing over there. I like what they're doing, but, but let me watch their like, so, so they won 38 games last year. They're over on their sled of 37 and a half. Um, is this a better team than last year's? Hmm. I'm looking, I'm not even looking at that as much as I'm looking at what improvements they made, but also. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's some improvements on there, but yep. I mean, I think the East is tougher. I think they lost some key guys. I like them off the ground. They lost him, um, and I think Hayward always gets hurt. Um, and I mean, you don't really have a center still on this team. They had Kelly Uber, who I don't like. Right, no. so you've got Kelly Uber and Each Smith. It's like, um, I don't love it. I mean, I think that like a lot of it relies on. Uh, Lamelo, and I mean, I'm I, I think they go under the slumber, but I'm not willing to put with that for full, right? So I think that right. I think 37 and a half is a decent line, and I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't want right because I don't know what the scene is going to be, right? And again, I worry that they have pieces that like get hurt a lot. So I'm kind of thinking, Tim, they're looking at this number and going like, "Hey, I'm not really that interested." Yeah, I mean, are you? I mean, I'm not. It's a hard. It's a hard one. If they're, if I go game by game, are there games that they're going to slip up and miss? Yeah. Are there teams better than them? Uh huh. Are there teams worse than them? Uh huh. And that puts you around not very good. So, you know, I don't see them. I, they're not going to win their division. Uh, if I'm looking at the Hawks, I'm looking at the Heat. I, if they're third in the division, great. But where does that put you? And I just don't, it's, I don't know. Who, who has the better roster, them or the Minnesota Timberwolves? Well, they have Cat. Uh, and Anthony Edwards and D'Lo. Uh, it's tough. Well, I, like, yeah, I'd probably give it, yeah. It, it's, I like if, we're having, if we're having this conversation, 38 wins the wall. <laughs> 38 wins with a lot of, like, could you see this team winning 43 games? The answer, no, 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 no way in hell. Not in this, not in this conference. No, no, not in that division. No, I couldn't see it. So, like, the answer to me is, like, it's it's definitely under, but, but like, could I see them going, could I see them winning 32? No, either. So, I think the line's good. And right. I'm like, ah, stay away from it. Um, the next well, one is, what, it, this is weirdly, so the Knicks historically are a team that are very public. Uh, they generally go under. So over like uh so generally they've gone under about on a 65 65% tw- 12 times in the last 16 seasons 19 seasons they've gone under. Um but this year weirdly enough uh so they won 47 games last year 
It's a Fibs team. Fibs always basically leaves it on the court. His teams always play as hard as possible. And the line is set at uh, the over-under line. It's set 40 and a half for the over and 41 and a half for the under. So basically you're betting that the over is betting they're going to go 500. And given that this is a Fibs team, given that only 2% of their minutes are going to rookies, given that they added some, like they add Kemba, and if they get anything from Kemba, this is a cakewalk. I mean, this is a cakewalk over. I think this team is going to win like 44, 45 games. And I understand that the division is tougher, but the way Fib team works is that like he's going to play his guys 30, so he's going to play his guys like every night of his playoffs, right? So they're going to win a lot of games they shouldn't win simply because they're going to play super duper hard and they're going to care more every night than most other teams. So even though their division is very tough, I think, I mean, I think that the over is the obvious number up. So in terms of the Knicks, yeah, I think um, anytime you have a team that plays, uh, like you said, they give a shit, they're going to play hard defense, that you're going to be in almost every game. Uh, I, I don't remember any games last year. They're going to play like six-man rotations, too, every night. Yeah. Like, they're going to they're just going to like run their guys ragged. There's a bunch of young guys on this team that, like, I, I mean, Barrett, like, Knicks fans would give a little shit because we said they were a top 150 guy. Or, yeah, a top 100 guy last year. But he's improving. He's getting better. He's getting better year to year. And they, as I said, they added Kemba, who's, if Kemba, if you get anything from Kemba, that's a huge upgrade from what they had last year. So, you know, a bunch of young guys that play hard. This is great developing. I, I mean, could I see this, like, the question is, could I see this team winning 46 games? Yes, I could see them winning 46 games. And could I see this team winning 34? No, no, no. I mean, like, less of, like, like, fifth, like five guys would have to die, for, like, for that to happen. And even then, like, I would kind of figure that this is going to somehow get them to, like, 500. Right. Well, just call, uh, they'll call Joe Kim Noah out of retirement and, uh, you know, backup center him. And I'm joking. Well, speaking of Joe Kim, what about the Bulls? <laughs> um, so there's a bit like, so the Bulls are, are very, uh, they're, they're very hot pick on the over. Uh, they won the equivalent of 35 games. Uh, they got about half and half. The number will be the, the, the over under is 41 and a half. And this was, I mean, this is one of the easiest unders on the board for D, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big DeMar DeRozan fan. Uh, I loved everything else that they did except DeMar DeRozan. Um, and uh, it's just, it's, it's both is bad. His defense is bad. Uh, he's going to be taking shots away from people who are better than him. So he's going to be taking shots away from uh, Zach Levine and Kuchvik close to games. And he does, like, you know, it's something he's terrible. It's just like, like he, it's, the, it's the argument, like, he's very, like, he, he hurts you by being on the court in these close games at the end. He's also over, he's like a 32 now. Uh, and this hasn't really worked anywhere that he's been. So teams that he's left have gotten better. We'll talk about the, the other side of that, like when we get to the Western Conference. But um, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of this. Song. I, and, and I, I didn't think, I didn't think their signings made sense. I don't think the trades made sense. I don't think anything they've done made sense. I think them trying to show. Zach Levine, like we're building around you, and then Zach Levine goes and plays for USA Basketball. He gets to play with actual talent, and you know if you listen to other pods and you hear how he felt about that, he was pretty impressed. And I don't feel like they did enough to get them to where they need to be. And they got rid of defense, and they brought in bad defense. And I just I don't well, like them at all. It, I just don't like the Bulls. The DDR trade was dumb. It was like one of the dumber trades, and 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 literally the contract of the game was like stupid as hell. But Lonzo and Caruso are good defensive players. That's part of the part I hate. It's like 
their best lineup is going to be the lineup, like the lineup without, like when DDR is out, that's going to be the best lineup because it's going to be good defensively. It's going to have, it's going to have like, you know, you know, switchy defensive players. I mean, Pat Will can actually do defense. Then, you know, like Zachary, Vucevic, Pat Will, Lonzo, and Caruso is a decent five, right? But then you're going to put the Martin Rose in and it's going to be, it's going to go to shit because like your defense is going to collapse a level. And you're going to be like taking touches away from Bushwick on, on the books, <laughs> Levine on the wings. So, ah, uh-huh. and you paid him more than anybody else on the team. So they're definitely going to play him. So, yeah, it's, I hate when like, it's, it's so good until it wasn't, right? And yep. yeah. And then I was, I was jumping on the little DM. It's like, like the only way I can see this game, this number going over is like Marta Rosen misses like 60 games. Um, uh, but I'm not wishing. Well, I mean, he's getting paid, so as long as the legs doesn't roll off, I'll still walk. I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna. But, but, but yeah, yeah I don't. I, I think it's one of the easier unders on the board. Uh, and I think they're they're in a rough conference. They're really actually like uh, pretty rough too. And uh, I, you know, do you think who do you think wins more games, the Knicks or the Bulls? Knicks. Then have to think about it. Then have to yeah. think about it. Who do you think wins more games, the Wizards or the Bulls? That's more interesting. That's more interesting. Um, that one I could see being a lot closer. What were the Wizards for today again? We had the, the Wizards are 34 and a half. Yeah, but like the Bulls are not, the Bulls should not be rated at like five, six games better than the, the Wizards. That's no, no, yeah. that's, no. They're not. They're really not. They're, 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 they're like the Wizards, the, the Wizards are too low and the, and, and, the, and the Bulls are too high. And I get why, but the Mars. The Marlins flash not substance, and I think that this is a good. This season good, good demonstration of that for the Bulls. And again, I think they're going to be interesting, but like I don't, they, they be, they don't have the defensive presence in the end center where they had uh, Robin uh, there, uh, and I think they're going to miss. Him. Uh, so, but yeah, you talk about easy unders. How about an easy over? Next one, Indiana. What do you think? Yes, you're you're talking about because okay, so numbers are they won uh, thirty nine games. Uh, the goal of 39 games last year, their over is 42 and a half. It's kept going up. Uh, it was, uh, I believe, when I first did this, it was like 40. I think it's, yeah, yeah. They, that This number has been going up because it's been getting bent up. Uh, it's now 42 and a half for over and 43 and a half for under. I think it's fairly easy up uh, over. Um, and the reason being that, like, who's their coach now? Rick Carlisle. So they, they have a better coach. Uh, I mean, I, to be fair, I mean, I don't, I don't think their lot to coaches are bad. Uh, last three coaches weren't bad, but I think, I, I mean, I think Carlisle does a lot with a little, and I think he actually has a good bench of talent and some interesting pieces. And uh, even the conferences are off, but I mean, I think could I see this team winning forty-seven games? Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, I mean, I think they have enough talent to do that. They they did some of that last season. They they kind of. Ran into the injury bug, and they typically Indiana is one of the like Indiana is the least public team there is. So generally, Indiana, uh, Indiana in the last nineteen years has gone over 12, 12, 12 times, right? Uh, yep. So they typically go over because their numbers are too low. Now again, we I, I got into this number when it was like forty and a half. Now it's up to forty two and a half, right? So it keep, keeps going up. They're going to be point where no, but yeah, it's still at forty two and a half. It's still a decent. Number. Uh, yeah. It's still a number that I kind of uh, I had them with. Well, I mean, it's getting now like so. My my projection has them forty two, so it's a little it's a little it's starting to get a little to like ah oh, maybe don't play it. But I still think it's a I still think if you can get it like at forty one and a half, 
or 42 and a half. If 41 and a half is better, 42 and a half is, is okay. Right? Yep. Yep. So how about Boston? Uh, I think we were on the basement. Sorry, though. The Hawks. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Hawks. You're right. You're right. Um, so the, the best number for the Hawks is the division. Um, uh, I believe the divisions are not, or let's see if it's gone up. Uh, division line has actually gone down up. Damn it. It's 140 now. Um, uh, I was at 175, right? No, I said I'd like to get it better than 135. So I have down. I, I believe it's actually moved. It, it was actually, hold on. Let me see this. So when I did this about, it was 130. Now it's 140. Now it's 140. So if, uh, the trick with the, the Hawks is I'd like to get their division line, their division at over 175. So what that means is I don't want to bet on the Hawks until they lose a couple, maybe lose a couple games to start the season and that you get them at 175. I think long term, they're a better team than they keep uh, for the season. They're the, yep. you know, the, in, in the sense of like they have a lot of young guys. Uh, they have good depth. They've shown they can be, they get there. I like the players they added in the draft. Uh, I like the I like the guys that get the dunk on. So I do think this team, you know, I, I mean, I think this team goes over. I think this team is going to be, you know, they they won the equivalent of um, 47 games last season. The line on them is 47 and a half. Um, it's a young team, so they should get better. Uh, and I think they're going to be playing hard every night. And I think that, like, uh, I mean, I like, I mean, like, I, I wouldn't bet the over on the Hawks. I want to bet the division odds is what I want to Hawks, right? Got it. But they, I do think they're going to, like, I think 47 is about right, 47 and a half. So I don't feel strongly they're going to go too far over that. But I do feel that they're going to be in the division on the entire season. So, again, try to get that number at, like, closer to plus 200 if you can. And yep. it's the Southeast. At some point, it'll be a closer to close. But unless the, I mean, unless they completely fall apart, I don't think they're not going to. Um, but I do think that you're going to be able to get that number closer to plus 200. And that's what you want to do with that. Uh, okay. Now we start talking about, like, the second Atlanta team that my, my, my Boston Celtics. That's right. So Celtics are, uh, they're, they're, you know, they're in the same division as the Sixers and the and the Nets. So that makes things tough. And the, and, and, the, and the Knicks. The Knicks have and to count this year. Yep. They won the equal of 41 games last year, but really they got hit by the uh, by the injuries. They injury. hard. Uh, yep. they, their line is the same as the Hawks, 47 and a half. Um, and, uh, I mean, they have a new coach. I like the players that they have. If they So the trick with the Celtics is that their best six is not necessarily the obvious six, and it comes down to whether or not the coach gets to the right six players, right? So yep. they should be playing Tatum, they should be playing Brown, they should be playing Smart, they should probably be playing uh, Rob Will, they Rob Williams, they should be playing Pete Pritchard, they should be playing Horford. That's my six for them. And then Aaron Nesmith as he develops. Notice I didn't say Josh Richardson, notice I didn't say Dennis Schroeder. If the more Dennis Schroeder plays, the worse this team is going to be. Uh, because Dennis Schroeder is not good. Like, I read there's a bunch of other guys like Dennis Schroeder. Like, I didn't like, I mean, he's cheap, but like, he's basically to me the fourth best guard on the team, right? right? So, like, if their coach, Hudoka, can actually figure out the correct lineup quickly, then there's upside on this team. But I do think it's going to take them, like, it's going to take a little bit over time to like kind of gel together. Uh, I do think this team is better than it's definitely better than it was. Like, Chad, except something better than last year. Uh, but the line. I mean, I, I'm, I'm like, maybe I think they were like 46 from seven, right? I'm not, I'm not, old. well, I mean, unless, I mean, unless Tatum jumps the level and then if Tatum jumps the level, then I wish I could bet top five for MVP because he's never finished the top five and it, 
you kind of have to finish in the top five before you go all the way to MVP, right? So I think it's a very good season for like Jason Tatum to finish in the top five for MVP. And this like, so the Celtics go over it because Jason Tatum kind of like had a, had a hell of a season. And um, I don't like the division odds because I do think that, you know, the, the Sixers and the Nets are just really, 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 really good. And I'm, I'm getting, the money I'm getting is like what, 12 to one. And I don't like that. I don't like their conference odds. I don't like their title odds, right? So I, I think that like, you know, conference and division in the Atlantic is like, yeah, don't even worry about it, right? So, yeah, so then we're titled and it's like, yeah, don't worry about it, right? No, no. it's like, and, and again, here's the thing, I think the Celtics are going to be a fun team. Like, they have some interesting young talent on that team. I'm, again, I'm, I'm curious whether or not the coach is going to figure out the lineup that he needs to go to quickly, though, right? It's like, there, there's some guys that should play, right? And if he gets to those guys and those guys are healthy, then yeah, they have a good season. But I don't, again, it's a rookie coach. I don't know what's going to be. Um, the Heat. I personally am not, uh, until I see the Celtics do it, sustain what sustain excellence, I've just, I've had a hard time buying in. And this was supposed to be this young core that was going to do amazing well, things. But they, but they were, they were, they were really good when health last year. They just were never healthy last year. This is a story where it seems like, but that's also like I know I know the I know the compressed schedule like really killed a lot of teams because of injuries. Totally get it. Yeah, but like at some point you got to show it too. It can't just be like, well, but well, when we're healthy, well, yeah, well, when uh, you know when I'm ten feet tall, I can dunk easily too. It's not going to happen all the time. Well, but I mean, like the teams, the teams that played deep in the bubble and then like had to turn around quick, yep. all kind of died. And I mean, like it was. What so last year was the worst year I playoff model ever. Like it was the first time we like a playoff model that I ran run losing money. The reason it was, and I kind of did a breakdown on Twitter on why this was, but the main reason was like so I typically but you plan in for about twenty percent injuries, and this season was like it was the outlier about like like every single series had a significant every single series past the first round had a significant injury on both sides, and you can't you can't forecast if you. Like, Giannis had, like, the whole knee thing before the finals, so we thought Giannis was going to be out, so the lines were totally wrong. And then he came back and played 40-some-odd minutes every game. You can't plan for that. And, like, you're losing player left and right, so you can't really... So, it, you know, a lot of teams just, like, just didn't have their best uh, players. I, again, I think if the Celtics are have nominal health, their 48-win team, 47-win team, I think they would be better if they were playing at the Atlantic, but they are playing, like... Part of, the, part of the problem is like they're they're a better team. I think on a, on a roster basis, I think they're comparable or better than the Hawks, right? But they're but the Hawks are playing in a, in a significantly different. They're playing the Hawks are playing a significantly easier schedule than the Celtics are going to play, right? Yep. Same thing. They're because, central. Yeah, if they're the central. It'd be the same case too, right? You saw this. You know, because, you saw the stab with the Bucks, right? Like Bud's only lost like five games or <laughs> against Central Division opponents or something crazy. Like, yeah, it, it's it's not even competitive. Yeah, it's like, yeah, and I mean, the Celtics are going to play like that. What's their worst support? The worst opponent is the Raptors. And the Raptors, even if they're not great, they're still Nick Nurse coach team. They got some guys with experience. They're, you know, they're, they're going to give you a tough game. And then the Knicks are a team that, like, you know, we both like. So, like, we like the Knicks. We're going to get into, like, the other two teams in this conference, sorry, in this division. And those two teams are, like, we're talking about them possibly going to the finals. So yeah, the Celtics are in a rough spot. It I, I mean, it doesn't think it doesn't mean I think that it's a bad roster. It's just you know I, I think they're they they they're one they need to kind of figure out what the rotation is. 
added to their player away. They they need another player on the team to actually get to that elite, elite level, or somebody needs to jump a level, right? And it's possible if they have a guy, they, I mean, they have a couple guys that could do it. I mean, I, I like, I like, uh, I like Rob Will. Uh, I like, uh, I think Baden Richards is interesting. I think Aaron Mithil is interesting. Um, I think Jalen Brown's like shown some signs. But I, I mean, again, you don't know until you actually see them go through a full season. And again, I probably think that they're going to make some. They're going to make it. I think they have the pieces to make a trade at some point. But I don't know if they're going to necessarily blow their wick this year. So I mean, right. I, I, this is why I'm like, I'm under fade. I'm like, yeah, I think, I think they're probably they probably win 47. And I think I don't, I don't. There's nothing on the board for them that's interesting to me as a bet. I mean, if I could bet like. If I could make Jason Tatum to finish top five in the MVP race, I would, but I can't. Nobody's listed at those odds, right? That would be the best bet. But other than that, yeah, I mean, I'm, I think, is, is there anything you see on, on the board for, for the Celtics? No, I I just, I really struggle with, the, you know, a new coach, like you said. Um, and I he's just... Supposed be, he's supposed to be good. I just want to see some consistency. That's what I really want to see. I want to see more consistent play. You know, I, awesome, you beat someone by 30 and then you lose by 10 the next night. It's just, you got to just play more consistently. And I think, I, mean, I think it was the right move, quite frankly, for Brad to get out of the coaching seat. Well, Brad was, Brad was a bad offense coach. Uh, and it, it, like, and this was part of the problem with Celtics was like, because he was a bad offensive coach and he was very bad at like selling or working the refs, you'd lose a lot of games that you should win because their, their offense would just disappear for a quarter, right? Because yep. like, he couldn't, he couldn't like he couldn't consistently get them like it's sometimes it's very simple to just like call them, call simple offense and run some simple plays on the offensive side makes small adjustments and like get some easy buttons or like not even easy buckets get some buckets right and I think that's the, the problem is the Celtics are a team that would get the gyps in these situations and it probably cost them two finals appearances like people forget like he got them to the call he got them to game seven on the conference finals. And he had leads in these games, and he just could not hold the leads in these game sevens, right? Yep. Because, yep. like, and it was always the same thing. Like, you're always, like, the other folks would make a defensive adjustment, and they would, you know, they would never be able to, you know, they would try to do the whole ISO thing kind of come, but they couldn't run consistent enough offense to actually get them over the hump either time. And I think if they had been able to do that, you know, if I think he'd be better at that, then... um then I think that we, we they would have gotten to the playoffs. Yep. Um, Great. So I think we, we need to kind of like like press press steam here a little bit to like finish out the East, right? Yep. Um, get it. Buy so, the Heat. Um, I like the other. I like the other play on the wins lead. The Heat are listed at forty nine and a half. That's a that's a kind of uh, that's an interesting number. As much as I like Spoelstra, the very old squad, and uh, the Heat, you know, they take time off. I think they're going to try to have everyone else for the playoffs. I don't think they care about winning the Southeast. So I like the under. I think that like I can do more like 46, 47 and fairly easily. And I think that's like why I'm on the other plate, right? The number is fairly kind of aggressive. But I want to I want to see how that how playing a more defensive oriented style uh, is going to impact. Obviously, you know, wins, losses, all those things. But, you know, defense is hard. Defense, your body breaks down uh, digging in like that and taking charges and, and diving on the floor and playing that style. So that's the, that's the biggest thing for me. The second one is, are we ever going to see bubble Tyler, Tyler hero again? Like, is he ever going to play that way again? Or is he just now going to be this average bench player? So you mean, you mean the questions I have, uh, like go to the, you know, what the store brand from Sam club is? I think it's Kirkland, right? 
Kirkland. You don't about Kirkland, Danny Green? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> like, like I know. I called, I called it. I called it. I called it. I called it BTS Patty Mills. Is what I called. <laughs> like, like he. I, I mean, my my God, the man basically like parlayed like you know playing a playing out playing it on the same rims for like two months into like a bunch of endorsement deals. He's, he's, he's not great. I don't think he's a good player. And yeah, I don't think, I think Tyler Hero, I mean, like they should have like sold high on Tyler Hero. Like I have a buddy who sold one of his uh, top shot cards for like $300,000. So wow. Good for him. I was like, yeah, one of these limited, limited cards. And I'm like, he's, he's mad about it. I'm like, dude, you sold, you sold high on, on like, yeah. on like, on like, on like store brand KCP. What the hell? What, the, <laughs> what do you, what do you want to happen about? Yeah, always ninety nine KCP. All right, let's, so the Sixers. What are the, the Sixers. Sixers? So the, the Sixers are fairly simple. You're getting a discount on the. So they won the goal of fifty six games last year. That team hasn't changed that much. Uh, I mean, they 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 they. Dwight's not there, but I mean, I think you're getting fifty one and a half as a number, and the reason you're getting that number is because of Ben Simmons trade. Uh, historically, Daryl Morey wins these trades, so the logical bet on the Sixers is the over. Right. Um, uh, the tricky bit is since we don't know exactly what's going to happen with that, I think the better bet is five plus three fifty uh, uh, plus three sixty to win the division. Uh, Got it. Because uh, as much as I like the Nets, uh, I think that there's a good chance that they, you know, the Nets might just want to have everybody healthy for the end of the season. So you're kind of at, at plus three sixty, uh, plus three fifty. You're kind of saying like that. That's a very discount. Both of those, the fifty-one and a half, the three, the three fifty, are discount prices relative to the quality of the roster that the, the, the six. I think the Sixers are probably going to be a fifty-six win team unless something weird happens with injuries. Even if I mean, if they keep Simmons, then that's that. If they trade Simmons for something decent, which I think Moore can be trusted to get something decent back for him, like I don't know, uh, C.J. McCollum. Uh, then, then yeah, I mean, that's 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 good. So I think it, I think over fifty one and a half is a good number. I think uh, MB ten to one. I don't like personally, uh, but I do think it's an interesting and decent number. He has a shot at winning. Uh, uh, but again, you're kind of betting MB is going to play more than seventy games. But that's what you're doing. And that seems to be kind of a, a uh, what do we say like an aspirational bet. Um, Bucks. Bucks. Uh, so the Bucks are, they won the goal of 53 games last year. Their number is 54 and a half and 55 and a half. I'm over on them. Uh, and I'm doing not over on them is I think that it has to do with the Nets too. I think both the Bucks and the Nets just won home court in the eventual uh, conference finals. I agree. I think there's no, like, I don't think these are the two best teams in the league. It's not close. Uh, but the, actually the best bet is, the best, there's some interesting bets on the Bucks. I think Giannis at eight to half, eight to five to one to win the MVP is interesting. Um, uh, them to win the, the Bucks nine to one to win the title is probably my favorite, one of my favorite bets on the board. Yep. It is, it, it's, it's a ridiculous bet. The Bucks should not be nine to one. To win the this is like somebody's like, and I know why because the Lakers make the flashy moves. But here's the thing: the Bucks are the same team that were last season. They're a young team. They basically, you know, Giannis just went out and like laid it like. You know, three forty burgers and a fifty burger in the final, and and really their weaknesses in the in the playoffs were that Bud did not play his guys enough, and he figured out not to do that. So like, you know, if you honest, only played forty minutes, like 
once of the first 11 playoff games under Bud. And then in the last eight, he played over 40 minutes seven times. So once they started doing that, then really the only thing that can really stop them if they're healthy is the Nets, right? Yep. And so nine to one to win the title is a bet that you're going to be sitting there in the conference finals and like blessing you luck that you got to lead, you got them nine to one. Like the, the, the books are going to be bet, they're going to be begging you to cash in that ugly one, right? Yep. For like a little number. So like take it and enjoy it. Um, next team, the Nets. The Nets. So the Nets won the equivalent of 55 games. They weren't healthy. Most of the season, they also like only did not have a full season of hard. Um, and now the number is set at 55 and a half. It's a good squad, a good coaching squad. Still have growth. I think this is an easy over. And I think, again, I think the Nets on the, the Nets on the blocks both care about having home court in their series against each other. Yep. Uh, they're 260 to win the title. Um, that was 260 a week ago. Let me see what they are now. They're, um, Title odds for the Nets are plus 260, yes. Plus, plus 235 is plus 260. That's a good number. I mean, you want, like, what I'm, what I'm saying is you want to be holding Bucks at 9 to 1, Nets at 2 and a half, 260 to 1, right? Yep. And if you're holding both those numbers, yeah, there's a very good likelihood that you're going to be holding, like, either 2 to uh, 2.6 to 1 action or 9 to 1 action coming out of the, the, uh, the Eastern Conference Finals. And then the, both these teams, I think, would beat any team coming out of the West in five games, pretty much. It would be my, my take. And uh, yes, I, I said what I said. I think, uh, I think both these teams are better than anybody coming out of the West. I think it's hard to disagree with that. Arturo, the Eastern Conference is going to be a fantastic dogfight. It's nice having the power ship back toward the East so that it's actually good games on every night. Yes. Uh, and, and I appreciate all the insight. And thanks for helping us wrap up the East. Next time you're on, we'll do the West. Okay. Sounds great, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget, give Arturo a follow on American Numbers on Twitter. I'm D. Bukowski on Twitter. The podcast is TDBP Official on Twitter. And if you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please do subscribe and rate us five stars. Thanks, everybody.